done. Bring them down here. We'll start stacking them right in here, okay? Uh, then as well, a few other things. Men's prayer advance. Reminder, if you've not already paid your deposit of $100, it is overdue. Uh, please pay now. Uh, if you still need to sign up, go ahead and do it today, all right? Make, make it happen. If you haven't gone before, haven't gone a long time, we encourage you to uh, join our group and we'll have a great time. Uh, Saturday, November the 18th, uh, ladies' ministry going shopping to the Pinnacle in Bristol, leaving the church at 7.30. Sign-up sheet is on the back table. Uh, then Tuesday, uh, November 21st, will be our Thanksgiving midweek service, so we won't have it that Wednesday, the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, we know that you guys got turkeys to go out and kill and pluck, all right? So um, <laughs> over at Food Line, the, the, the 100-acre woods of Food Line. Um, but the Thanksgiving midweek service that evening, we'll, uh, we're going to try to maybe sing a couple songs that evening just to praise the Lord. Now, we'll have a short devotion, some scripture reading, and then we're going to get into some time of testimony. So if you, if you just want to come, give a short uh, testimony that, that's specific about something that God has done for you this year. We would love to hear it. We would love to celebrate the Lord's answer to prayer and His work in our lives with one another. Uh, then as well, Sunday, November 26th, in the morning service, we're going to have a baptism. Uh, I've got one signed up so far, but if you need to be baptized, if you've got questions about da- baptism, come see me, talk to me, uh, and we can get you dunked, all right? Uh, then March 21st through the 23rd, the Ladies' Prayer Advance. A sign-up sheet is on the back table already, so some ladies are already starting to sign up. That's wonderful. Deposit of $100 is due December the 10th, all right? Uh, so just keep those things in mind, ladies. Uh, then as well here, what I want to do for us and uh, read some Scripture, we'll pray, and we're going to worship the Lord, but so glad that uh, each one of you are here and grateful that we can gather and, uh, and praise the Lord. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 25 tells us this. Psalmist writes, My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Remove uh, Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. A couple things I want to point out this morning, just to prepare our hearts to worship the Lord today. Notice here, the psalmist asked God to teach him. I believe we need to ask the Lord today to teach us. Every time his word is open, Lord, teach me today. Teach me thy statutes. And then he gives the reason why. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. The reason why the Lord wants to reveal himself to us today by the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of His Holy Spirit, through the working and the reading and the preaching of His Word, is so that we would talk of His wondrous works. We would testify of the goodness of God in our life. And we notice as well that He strengthens us according to His Word and that uh, he, uh, the psalmist comes to, to three uh, I-haves and I-will statements that I want us to focus on this morning. I have chosen the way of truth. That's a choice that each one of us today must make. The Lord Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And today you must choose the way of truth. He says, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. I like the way that he says it. I've stuck to it. Uh, Today may it be said of us that we would by faith stick to the testimonies of the Lord. And then he says, I will run the way of thy commandments. May that be the direction of our heart. May that be the direction of our life. And today may we simply look upward and outward to the Lord Jesus Christ and praise him and adore him. Let us pray. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this morning, for the opportunity to gather to worship You in spirit and in truth. We thank You for each one that's here today. Uh, grateful, Lord, for Your body that is able to come together together uh, to, to hear Your Word, uh, to worship You, to fellowship with one another. I pray that we would edify and encourage one another. Help us to lift up our hearts today as we sing. Lord, as well, that our hearts would be opened unto You, Lord, that You would teach us Your Word, that You would teach us Your statutes, that we would uh, speak wonder of Your wondrous works. Uh, God, that today that we would make the decision to simply have our hearts and our minds focused upon You alone. Lord, we love You. We thank You for this time. We give it to You now. We ask now that You would glorify Yourself and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. And it's His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's get started in our worship by singing. A song titled, To God Be the Glory, hymn number 56 in the hymnal. And if you're able, please stand. Psalm 126.3 tells us, The Lord hath done great things. You believe that? Say amen. 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 He's done great things for us, whereof we are glad. If you're glad, sing, To God Be the Glory. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his Son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin. Praise the Lord! 
praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Amen. Remain standing if you're able. Our next song is Glory to His Name, hymn number 493. Hebrew 9.22 tells us, And almost all things are, by the law, purged with blood. And without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Amen. Glory to His name. Down at the cross where my Savior died Down where for cleansing from sin I cried There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to His name There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name I am so wondrously saved from sin Jesus so sweetly abides within There at the cross where He took me in Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to His name There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name Come to this fountain so rich and sweet Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet Plunge in today and be made complete Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to His name There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name. Continue to remain standing if you're able. Our next song is There Is a Redeemer. Praise the Lord for that. 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and praise God, redemption. Amen. There is a Redeemer. Hymn number 308, if you want to turn to the hymnal. There is a Redeemer, Jesus God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, thank you, oh my Father, for giving us your Son. 
So let's make everyone feel welcome, shake a hand, share a smile, say a big, loud hello, and uh, go around. If you choose, you can move around and do that. We'll give you a few minutes to do that.
righty. Let's make our way back to our seat. I went out there and shook a few hands. Might have overextended our little welcome time, but that's all right. Y'all can go ahead and be seated. We got a real special treat for you today. Teddy, Teddy's special to all of us, so we want to we want to recognize him just a little bit before he sings. Uh, his birthday is tomorrow, so we want to sing happy birthday to him. But, but, we ain't going to leave nobody out if I can help it. Miss Shirley Hill, where are you at, Shirley? It's her birthday tomorrow, and Randy Harmon's birthday was Friday. Is that right? Where are you at, Randy? There you are. Was that right? And who else am I missing? Rest of you got a birthday sometime this year, right? <laughs> and to all those that have a anniversary this month, Per and Becky Price was on November 1st, David and Carolyn Beasley the 3rd, Peter and Lynn was the 17th. Yay! Huh? Is. All right. <laughs> we ain't got there yet, have we? <laughs> And uh, Stephen and Christy Dalton's on the 22nd. And Mac and Rose Turner, our very own Rose, is on the 28th. So let's sing happy birthday to Ted and all the other people with birthdays and anniversaries, okay? Happy birthday to you. Woo-woo! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Teddy. Woohoo! Happy birthday to you. Now you gotta tell us how old you are. Forty-eight years young. Yeah, forty-eight years young. So Teddy, you come on, sing. You need this microphone? Or you? Yeah, I need that. Okay.
waiting for a strong being God. just this one time or a second time <laughs> but as a blessing to me that me and God we're a team amen that's where it ought to be amen now the scripture don't say it word for word like that but that's that's pertaining to scripture yeah. right to the T right. and he says me and God like two peas in a pod now I love that that is humorous but that's also scriptural we're to be one amen so that's good, Brother Teddy. We appreciate it. Lord bless you for your songs. <laughs> some y'all, some y'all didn't hear Danny. He said that him and somebody offered to help Tim. Oh, okay, Tim. Him, Danny, and Tim offered to help uh, Teddy sing that song. But now we know why he didn't let them. <laughs> Oh, it's good to be able to smile and share a little clean humor and a laugh in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you. So uh, right now, if y'all would, bow with me in prayer. And we'll go to the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time and the, the fun we're having in your house and the worship that we're offering up to you. Thank you for, Lord, the opportunity to do that. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. We pray that everything we say and do and sing, Lord, would please you and honor you and glorify you, and it would be worship for you because you deserve it all. Please help our pastor to preach your word, and, Lord, help us to listen with intent, intense ear and hearing, Father, to that we might be changed and might be taught something that we need to learn here today. And uh, most of all, Lord, we pray that if there's anyone in our midst in this room here today and in the over the radio waves, and uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, that precious soul come to know your Savior today if it don't, if it don't already. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for your honor.
we pray and ask all things in the name above all names, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand and we'll sing one more song. Then we'll turn it over to our Pastor Joe. Worthy is the Lamb. Revelation 5.12 tells us, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He deserves all that and much more. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb. Okay. Okay, so we'll, we'll just sing it a cappella then. How's that? <laughs> Y'all help me here now. Sometimes it's hard to get started on the right key. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm just picking. <laughs> I'm sorry? Oh, you'll have a minute. Okay. I guess I'll have to preach a short sermon while we're waiting on here. Huh? Yeah, Brother Danny. Uh, hang on just a minute. Danny going to give testimony. <laughs> yeah, you do. We want everybody to hear. I'm sorry. I just, wanted to, I just wanted to give a testimony of our trip and Teddy going with us. He's went with us uh, quite a bit on our stuff, but we had more fun with Teddy. You don't know how much fun somebody can be. And Teddy is a sharp little guy, and he will hold his own. And uh, we, we picked at him a lot, and he picked back. He held his ground. And uh, he's got a good sense of humor, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful person to be around. And we love him so much. And Dan and Brenda, as far as I know, organized all this trip, and uh, it's quite a quite a lot of work. And I know we had help from about all that went. So that, that was a blessing to everybody, and glorifying to the Lord. So we appreciate you, seniors. I'm glad I'm not one of them. Have a look at my head, I am. I'm just picking. Thank you. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave a For this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb. Seated. We crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. High and lifted up. Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb.
Well, as always, what a great day to worship the Lord. Any day is a great day to worship the Lord, but especially on the Lord's Day to gather with the saints. Uh, there's no greater place to be on this earth than right here and right now. As we said last week, we, we don't have any other Sunday like the Sunday that we're in. And as you can see already, there's no Sunday like this Sunday. Uh, I, I love it when things maybe go awry or go different. I, I love the sweet fellowship and, and the lingering and I just love this. I love the schedule being off. I'm not up here till 11.05. I think it's great. It shows that we're real. It shows that we're here for a greater purpose than ourselves. And that ultimately has to be the purpose. And it shows as well that we're here for one another. I love looking out and seeing folks uh, shaking hands and, and just being so glad to see one another. And as well to hear your voices being lifted up to the Lord. Uh, take your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter number 3 this morning. Colossians chapter number 3. We are continuing our little series for Thanksgiving, uh, even though my Christmas lights are already up, but nevertheless, I, we're going to be thankful for Christmas, amen? <laughs> the attitude of gratitude, developing and displaying thankfulness. Now, as we already all addressed last week, all of us probably have some room to grow in the gratitude and thankful department, right? We all like to, uh, to think of ourselves as very thankful. We like to say, and we're good about it here in the South for the most part, you know, some of us, how we were raised to say thank you and please and thank you and stuff like that. Uh, but we find out that thankfulness is much more than saying please or thank you. It is an absolute attitude of understanding who God is and what He's done for us. It is a life of seeing who we are in Him and what we have in Him. And in this, it leads us to be grateful in all things. I want to read for us verse 12 through 17, but today we're going to be focusing in on verse number 13. Last week was the focus of verse number 12, which dealt with the attitude of gratitude being that of humility first and foremost. And really, the rest of the passage is going to build off of this, but let's see here. Put on therefore, in verse number 12, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, uh, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you're, uh, you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We're grateful to be able to read it. Grateful to be able to sing about your word and and who Christ is and what he's accomplished for us. Lord, we're grateful, my Lord, for your work that you've done already in hearts today to point us to the gospel, to point us to Christ. We pray that now you continue continue to do a greater work as your word is preached. I pray that your Holy Spirit would open up our eyes to our great need. And Lord, that your word would be received by faith, applied to our hearts. God, I pray that you would meet the need of every heart in this place today, including my own. God, I pray that you would... Uh, protect my mind, my heart, my tongue, that you would preach and teach your word to your people, and God, that you'd be glorified in all these things. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we're going to be looking at what it means to be grateful to forgive. Now, we're all grateful to be forgiven, and we're going to look at that as well, but we need to see and understand that uh, an, an attitude of gratitude is going to be grateful to forgive other folks. Now, we're grateful when we are forgiven by the Lord. We're grateful when others forgive us, right? We love the idea of gratitude. We love the idea of forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that we love to get. Amen? I know it's something I love to get. I love to be forgiven. I love to get things right and restored, right? It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing to kiss and make up, isn't it, right? Especially the kissing part, amen, right? <laughs> now, forgiveness is something that we love to get, but notice this, with forgiveness, it's often the thing that we struggle the most to give. We struggle sometimes to forgive those who have done us wrong. We struggle sometimes to forgive those that haven't even done us wrong yet, but we think they've done us wrong. And we struggle to forgive in general. C.S. Lewis writes, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. I think that's exactly right. We all love the idea of forgiveness. We all are grateful for forgiveness, but are we grateful to forgive others? Perhaps now at this time of year than ever before, do we need this? As you're going into Thanksgiving and Christmas and starting a new year, all this stuff, there is no need to wait till December 31st to go, well, I'm going to start forgiving people or being more grateful tomorrow on January the 1st, 2024. I believe that the answer and the response ought to be that today, right now, today is the moment to be more grateful. Today is the day to be more humble, as verse 12 points to us. And as we learn to be more humble, it will lead us to be more grateful. But as we learn to be more humble, it's going to lead us to forgive. It's going to lead us to seek forgiveness from the Lord. If you have not already, or if there is a fault that you must confess to the Lord today, do not hesitate, do not wait, do not allow your sin and the lies of the enemy to lead you to run from the Lord and to hide behind a tree naked and afraid. Rather, run to Him. See that you would seek forgiveness and that we are told that He will grant it to each believer who trusts that whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. We find that there is forgiveness offered and available To all, and we find this as well, that today is the day that we must decide to forgive those who have wronged us or those that we are holding on or holding out forgiveness from. Forgiveness is perhaps the most detrimental sin in the life of a Christian. I believe that forgiveness, or rather unforgiveness in the heart, will keep us from much of what God has for us, many of the blessings God has for us, but as well, much of the work that God has for us. I believe that we will be used of God as much as we are willing to forgive. I believe that we will be as used of God as much as we are willing to be humbled. I believe that we will be used of God as much as we are willing to be grateful and thankful. And if our usability for God was based upon those things, how used of God would we be today? If our blessings were dependent upon those things, how blessed would we be today? 
Watchman Nee writes about this idea. He says, frequently the enemy entices Christians to harbor an unforgiving spirit. A very common symptom indeed among God's children. Such bitterness and fault-finding and enmity inflict a severe blow upon spiritual life. If there is bitterness in your heart today, I want you to know that your spiritual life is going to struggle no matter what you try to do. If you still have unforgiveness in your heart, you will progress no further. If the, the, until the wall comes down, until forgiveness is offered and extended and given and seen and received, you will not progress in the Christian life. Because the Christian life starts with being forgiven, first and foremost. We'll deal with that today. But then it leads us to forgive others. Grateful hearts give grace to others. Grateful hearts are grateful for the grace that we have received in Christ. And we will only grow in gratitude as we grow in a humble, forbearing, and forgiving attitude. We'll never display the action unless we develop the attitude. And what we've seen thus far is our great need to develop this attitude of gratitude, this attitude of thus far in verse 12 of humility, and now of forgiveness in order to truly know what it means to be thankful to God Almighty. The context of this passage and the letter that Paul is writing here to the Colossians that we've talked about thus far, he is showing our position in Christ directs the practical daily Christian life. Who we are and what we possess determines how we are to live. And so truly, how you live your life is just merely the reflection of what you are on the inside. And so dear Christian, we are not merely trying to figure out how to live the Christian life. We are simply to live the Christian life. And it is found not in yourself, but it is found in Christ as we have seen all throughout this book thus far. But in this, we find that all spiritual problems in the church, out of the church, could be crushed. All spiritual problems could be crushed in the church, our home, our own heart, if we were to practice our position of being in Christ. If we were to do so in faithful obedience to His Word, and we would learn and live that it is His empowerment and equipment that allows us to do and fulfill His expectation of being humble and forgiving and loving and edifying and glorifying to His name. And all of this, today what we're going to look at is that we must see that we should not only be grateful to be forgiven, but we need to be grateful to forgive. Already right now, there are folks in this room that are probably about as uncomfortable as can be because you've got someone on your mind that you have yet to forgive. If each one of us right now were to probably take a moment, we've got folks either that one, have not forgiven us or perhaps we have not forgiven them. And I want you to know, Come Thanksgiving, come Christmas, it's going to be a miserable season already for some folks, but it's going to be all the more miserable if there's unforgiveness in your heart. It is going to be all the more difficult to be grateful when we have not had forgiveness ourselves or forgiveness for others. First of all, what we're going to look at today is this need that we have a desire of a grateful heart, the desire of a grateful heart. A grateful heart desires authentic and lasting forgiveness before God and man. Those who are truly grateful that are saved today, those who are truly thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ, are grateful to forgive. They are grateful even to have wrongs be done to them because it gives them an opportunity to show perhaps one of the most Christ-like attitudes and actions that there is, and that is forgiveness. Perhaps there are two ways in which you and I are to, to live like Christ and where Christ is seen the most in us. It is one, when we suffer and how we suffer. And two, it is when wrongs are done to us, if and how and when and why we forgive. If there is forgiveness. This shows us what our Christian heart really looks like or if it even is a Christian heart to begin with. 
Now, our natural desire as man in general is that we want to be at peace. Think of this this way. If you have not forgiven somebody today, is there peace between you and them? Not real peace. How about this? If you've got someone in your life that perhaps you wronged or, or, or what have you, and they have not forgiven you, is there real peace? Is there real reconciliation? There is not yet. There is still yet a divide. And what we find is that every one of us today would love to say that we want peace. Right? We think about it. Every Miss America and Miss Universe. What's the, what's the right answer? Right? World peace. Right? See, some of y'all could be Miss America out there and you didn't even know it. <laughs> now we think about this. All of us desire forgiveness when we need it, don't we? Every one of us does. When, when, I, when I'm wrong, I want to be forgiven. Even to a desperate place. But then we have to remember this, and this is what I want us to get first and foremost today. If you don't get anything else, I want you to know this. The same way that you and I have a desire for forgiveness, I want you to know God's desire of forgiveness is infinitely more. God desires to forgive, and God desires that you would forgive. God not only desires that you would be grateful, but I want you to know you'll never have gratefulness in your heart unless you have forgiveness there first. Because it's forgiveness, and because I'm forgiven in Christ, I've got something to be thankful for. Even if my world falls apart, if I am saved today, and because I'm saved, I've got a world and an infinite amount of things to thank God for. God desires forgiveness. Now, He does not need forgiveness for Himself. That's not what we mean here. But rather, He delights to give it. God's grace delights to forgive, and He is always ready to forgive. John Bunyan put it this way, no child of God sins so uh, to that degree as to make himself incapable of forgiveness. There is no one living today that can outsin the forgiveness of God. There is no Christian today that can outrun or outmess up the forgiveness that is in Christ Jesus. There is no lost soul today that can be so far that God cannot save them. God desires to save. It is in His very nature. It is His very characteristics. It is His attributes. It is His very goal of, of creation to consummation, of redemptive history is what we call it, to show that folks can be saved and only by being in Christ, by His work. By, by His death, His burial, His resurrection for sins, the, the Gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we find is that there is forgiveness and God desires to forgive. That is why He crushed His Son so that He might not have to crush you and me. But for those who have not repented and believed the Gospel, they will one day be crushed by the hand of God forever because He is just and He is holy and He is righteous. And in His love, He crushed His Son there on the cross and His blood was shed so that you and I could be forgiven and so that we would learn what it means to know forgiveness and to know love and to know what gratitude looks like so that we would see there at the cross the very desire and design of God Almighty and that is your salvation and mine found in Christ. We need to see, first of all, that there is a requirement of forgiveness. There is not one soul living today that is without a need of being forgiven. First and foremost, this is not on a human level merely of a horizontal of, well, we all make mistakes and we need to ask somebody in our life perhaps for forgiveness. No, that is a secondary issue altogether. The first need for every 
uh, human being alive today is a need to be forgiven before God Almighty, to have our account that is stamped on it from our sinful nature that we are born with because we are in Adam at that time. We are dead in sins and trespasses. And what we find is this, stamped on our account, stamped upon our life, is guilty, condemned, wretched, poor, and needy, vile, and afflicted. But yet what we find is the very moment that you repent and trust Christ, that that is gone. And now you go from being guilty as your condemnation to now I am free, I am forgiven in Christ, I am seated in heavenly places, that I am dead, buried, and risen with Christ, that His death is my death, His life is my life, and now He has given me the life to live the life that I live now. It is now Christ that lives in me. And we find that there is so much now more in the Christian life to be grateful and thankful for. And we see that every human's greatest need is to be forgiven by God in Christ. In Adam, we are uh, are unforgiven, yet in Christ, we are forgiven. In Adam, we are dead. In Christ, we are alive. In Adam, we are in great need and in woeful misery. But in Christ, we are rich and blessed beyond measure in the grace of our Lord. We find this already in the book of Colossians that Christ has accomplished this for us. The reason why is because you and I could never accomplish this for ourselves. Salvation, forgiveness of sins is nothing that you and I could ever make God or or woo God in such a way where we go, look how good I am, God. Don't you want to forgive me now? No. If you want forgiveness, if you need forgiveness, and by the way, you need forgiveness, and if you see your need of forgiveness and your eyes have been opened to your need of forgiveness before Almighty God, you're going to want it really quick. And you're not going to want to delay. You're going to want to get to the cross and get to it now. And here's what we find is that He is there ready and waiting because the work is complete for your salvation. You must simply receive it by grace through faith. He tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, giving thanks... Notice how that starts. Gratitude, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us to be meet, uh, which has made us meet to be the partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Notice before he says, giving thanks. Why? Because. Uh, of all these things. He has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. We participate now in His, in his plan and His will and His kingdom. We find then as well that we've been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been translated uh, into the kingdom of His dear Son. We have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. It's a sort of, but wait, there's more. Even all of your sins, past, present, and future, are now forgiven. Then chapter 2, verse 12 to 14. Something about that 12 to 14 in those two chapters. Just so wonderful. Look at this. Buried with him in baptism, wherein ye also are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice he does not say, having forgiven you most of your trespasses, having forgiven you some of your trespasses, having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. It's as if the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross said, I'll take that, that is now mine, so that you can take my righteousness. What 
a transaction, what a salvation. So we see the requirement. We all need forgiveness and we find that it is only found in Christ. But because I have received forgiveness, I am now required to forgive. But we see as well in this that there, the desire of a grateful heart shows us the need of this requesting of forgiveness. Notice this. <clears throat> salvation and in salvation, the forgiveness of sins being just merely one part of the beauty of the riches that are in the, in the gospel. But we find in that is this, is this truth here. Okay? I want you to see this. Though the gospel, though salvation, forgiveness of sins is available to all, you must receive it. You must request forgiveness of sins. What do you mean by requesting forgiveness of sins? You must simply, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. We think about this. If there's ever been an actual sinner's prayer that's in the Bible, which we don't have one that's often seen on the back of tracks, what we do have is one who smites and beats his own breast, just afraid to even lift his eyes to heaven. He says, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's a sinner's prayer. Lord, have mercy on me. Why? Because I deserve hell. I deserve an infinite amount of, of, of punishment because of my infinite amount of sin, but Christ has taken that and blotted it out. He has taken it away. So what we have now is forgiveness. But for us now, we see that our desire should not only be forgiveness, but now to be grateful for this and that we should be grateful that as we sin, dear believer, you're still going to need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. You say, well, hasn't he already paid the price for my sins? So why do I need to ask him for forgiveness some more? I want you to know, the moment you got saved, you were given a union and a fellowship, a union and a communion with the Lord Jesus Christ, both the position and the practical of the Christian life, all that you need. But what we find is that as we begin to walk in the flesh, which we do just a little bit, no, a whole lot of it, don't we? And as we do that, what happens is that we begin to do things on our own. We begin to go our own way. We begin to go into the ditch and in the mire once more. We begin to wander off from the shepherd and the bishop of our souls. We find that we begin to lose fellowship and we go, why is God so far? He has not moved, dear friend, and it is us that have moved. And what we find is that we must confess our sin and He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that He takes His shepherd's staff and He draws us right back in because He loves us so. Now, notice this. Uh, Psalm 86, verse 5 tells us this. I'll turn there so you don't have to, all right? For thou, Lord, art good. That verse is already fabulous, isn't it? For thou, Lord, art good. But then he says, what else? It gets better. And ready to forgive. You ever seen in a race? I've never been in a race. Not going to be in a race. <laughs> this is not happening. But I've watched a few. On your mark, get set, or ready, set, go. Here's what we see. Those runners on that line, they're ready. They're just waiting. I want you to know this shows even here that the Lord in His goodness is ready. He's ready to forgive. Do not think that you have outsinned the grace of God. Do not think that you have outrun it. Do not think that you are at such a place that God is not ready to forgive you. I want you to know He is as ready as ever. He is as ready as can be. The issue is, is your heart prepared to humble itself and come before God and ask of mercy? He says, for thou, Lord, art good, ready to forgive, 
plenteous in mercy. So he won't run out of it in case you think he's all dry. He says, unto all them that call upon thee. So I want you to know it's available. Mercy, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of sins, the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. It is available to all mankind, but it is only applied to those who do what? Who call upon thee, who call upon him. Furthermore, uh, some more about forgiveness and this desire and and what this should look like in our life. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 15. I'm going to hurry quick here. Matthew chapter 12, verse 15 says, but Jesus knew himself thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all and charged them that they should not uh, make it known. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Now I'm in the wrong passage altogether. I? I am. Uh, here, what we're going to look at here is, is this. I've got the wrong reference down, so we're not going to worry about it. But over in, in the Gospels, what we find is that Jesus uh, gets asked by the disciples uh, about forgiveness. And what he talks about this is they, they come to him. And at the time, the, the Jewish tradition was that you must forgive somebody three times. And, and Jesus asks him, and he says, well, how much do you think? Peter goes, well, I think it should be seven, right? That's even above and beyond what it was calling for. And Jesus goes on into this whole long uh, this, this, this uh, teaching moment with his disciples about what forgiveness really is how often to forgive, why we are to forgive. And ultimately, even what we find is that there in the Lord's Prayer, we see this need of requesting forgiveness. Uh, We see this uh, great need uh, back in Matthew chapter 6. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We find this need of not only having forgiveness ourselves, but it is not only to be experienced on our own, but it is to be extended to others. We find this great need of forgiveness. But we need to see now the development of a grateful heart. The development of this attitude and this action of thankfulness and and gratitude in our life. Picking up here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, is this. That an attitude of gratitude is developed by a humble and forgiving attitude. You and I will only be as grateful as we are forgiven you will I will only be as grateful as we are forgiving. Look here, verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. We'll get into those in just a moment, what the, the difference is. He says, if any man have quarrel against any. Well, does that ever happen in life? Yes. How often? A whole lot more than we probably care to admit. Most of the time, we're quarreling with somebody and we just don't talk about it. We do this all the time, don't we? Especially us good old Bible-believing Christians. We quarrel with somebody. We say, hey, it's so good to see you. As soon as they walk away, no, it's not. We quarrel. We don't want to admit it because we have yet to grasp what it means to have verse number 12 in our life. Because we don't know what it means to have bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. We ain't got a clue about forbearing and forgiving. If you and I can get a hold of just about this much humility in our life, forgiveness is going to be all the more easy. If you and I can get a hold of about this much humility in our life, we're going to be about this much more grateful and forgiving. But you're only going to get about this much humility if you see all this that you have in Christ. When we see who Jesus is and what He's done for us and who we are in Him and what He's given to us, we can't help but move down this line. Now, as we look here, we find that grateful hearts are first of all forgiven. In order to practice forgiveness, we must first be forgiven. 
It's much like this. In order to love somebody, you have to know what love is. Today, we're in an epidemic of not knowing what love is and not knowing what forgiveness is and not knowing what a lot of things are. We're in an epidemic of today where we can Google what, a much, uh, what, what pretty much any question in the world, and yet we still don't know anything. And here we are, and we look at forbearing and forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. What we find is that grateful hearts are forgiven, that we must learn what forgiveness means in order to practice it. We must have received it first. I must have experienced forgiveness in my life from the Lord Jesus Christ in order to extend forgiveness to others, or else I don't really know what I'm doing or talking about. How can I get to the, as Christ forgave me, if I've never been forgiven by Him? So today, first and foremost, before we go any any further, do you know Christ? Have you been forgiven by Him? Are your sins blotted out by the blood of Christ alone? If so, then now we have the responsibility to forgive. But notice as grateful hearts are first and foremost forgiven. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2 tells us this. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. The more I see my position in Christ of being forgiven, the more I, I can uh, give uh, gratitude and forgiveness in my life. So here's, here's the idea. Because I am forgiven, I am freed to forgive others. But I don't have the freedom to forgive others when I've not yet first been forgiven. And notice that forgiveness is certainly a two-way street. Before I can ever forgive anyone around me and even have a right to do so, I must first be in a right standing before my God. And so before I can ever seek to be in right standing before man, I must be in a right standing before God. Are you in a right standing before God today? There's no halfway. There's no three-quarters way. There's not a two-thirds way. And I don't know any more fractions, but there's none of those ways. It's either all the way or it's not at all. Notice with this. Grateful hearts are not only forgiven. But grateful hearts are forgiving. Christians that hold grudges, Christians that are bitter, Christians that allow strife in the midst that will break relationships apart and will simply out of stubbornness, which is just a fancy way of saying pride, by the way, thinking you've got rights and can do what you want and just tell it like it is and get by with it. What an arrogant thought that is. When we do such, one, we are not expressing gratitude, nor are we expressing forgiveness, nor are we expressing humility. We're not even expressing what it means to be a Christian. That's a dangerous game to play, but so many Christians today, we are thankful, we got our fire insurance, we're saved to the uttermost, and we know that we is. Praise the Lord. But now, when it comes to those that wrong us, we're not as willing to forgive. And the reason why we're not willing to forgive is because we are not really grateful for the salvation that we have or that we claim to have. The reason why we are ungrateful and unthankful and unforgiving is because we've got a heart problem. I must be grateful to be forgiven first if I'm ever going to be grateful to forgive someone else. And our attitude with forgiveness should be that I'm grateful I can forgive you. Because in Christ, if especially if we're quarreling here in the context, looking at the, the life of the church, if you're quarreling with somebody who's a fellow Christian, you had better be grateful to forgive them because you had better be grateful that you are forgiven in Christ and that they are forgiven in Christ. And so therefore, let nothing, if nothing can come between you and the Lord, let nothing come between you and that brother or that sister. And how often we allow such. 
It's only pride that allows such. It's only a lack of humility and repentance. It's only a lack of, of all of these things that we've seen in verse 12, the bowels of mercy, the kindness, the humbleness of mind, the meekness, the long-suffering, the forbearing and the forgiving, which we'll get into now. We look at forbearing and forgiving. We say, couldn't you just said forgiving twice? No, because these are two different words and they have two different meanings. They have two different applications, but both are needed for real forgiveness to take place. Both are to be the essence and the epitome and the, uh, the illustration of Christian living. This is the practical daily Christian life. This is what it means uh, to be sitting, uh, to uh, set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Here's where it comes down to it. First of all, the word forbearing. What does this mean? It means to endure, to put up with the faults of others. It's also in the present tense. In case you're wondering, or even if you didn't care, I'm going to tell you anyways, it means continuous. It means to keep on forbearing, and once you have forbore, forbore some more, or forbear some more. Something about a bear. Forbear it. Keep forbearing. Why? Because as long as you live until you die, you will need to forbear or else you will be driven mad and crazy because there's going to be so much wrong in your life. There's going to be so much done in your life. And if you don't learn to forbear, you are going to be one miserable, grumpy old creature. You are going to be bitter and calloused and hardened and you will ruin relationships and you will ruin churches. You will ruin your home because your heart is not right. You need to learn to forbear. The idea of forbearance is, is this. I want to make it as simple as possible, all right? I need it as simple as possible. It is the idea of not taking offense. Now, this does not give us the right, as we so often do, and go, hey, no offense, but that's not it. The idea here is that when we understand in a church, in a Christian community, let's take this church for example, right? That's the idea, the context in the next. He's going to be talking about the family. So it's applicable across the board wherever you are, but especially in the Christian community. Uh, how many in here have the same, uh, how many of in here love the Redskins? All right, let's put your hand out. How many of you don't love the Redskins? Repent, you sinner. No. <laughs> Notice here, already there's a quarrel, isn't there? Already there is something that is different. Why? Because however many people we got in here, that's how many personalities, opinions, thoughts, ideas, manners of life, mannerisms, different quirks, right? Personality traits. Uh, how many of you are introverted? All right, that's pretty extroverted of you guys to raise your hand. Mostly introverts. And we just go, huh? Do we have to participate in this? I did not consent to this, right? How many of you are extroverted? How many of you don't really care? You think you're inverted. You don't know what you are. As long as you are converted, that's what matters the most at this point. And here's what we've got to see. We are all different in this place, and if we don't learn to forbear, church will be a misery. Our home life and our family life and our friend life, it will be a misery. Why? Because someone is always going to rub you wrong because you're always going to rub somebody else wrong too. How foolish we are to think that we are the only one that have the right personality in the church that everybody loves and adores, we are not that important and we are not as lovable as we think we are. We had better learn to forbear if we're going to learn to get along. A growing church will be a grateful church, will be a humble church, will be a forbearing church. Christians that don't forbear are going to have a very difficult time in the Christian life. They're going to have a very hard time in the church because here's what happens. If you don't learn to forbear, you're going to take your ball and go home when things don't go your way. Or when somebody looks at you wrong, or even if they don't look at you wrong and they, you think they look at you wrong, and you can't forbear that, you're going to have a problem. 
You see, because God forbears, so must I. I've read this passage already before, not today, I think last week, but nevertheless, 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us this, For even hereunto ye are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, he was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not. Again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You don't need to defend yourself as much as you think you do. We need to learn to let some stuff go because if we don't let it go, it's going to get a hold of you. And anything that gets a hold of your heart, that becomes a God, becomes an idol, and it will wreck your life quick, fast, and in a hurry, and it will not ask for forgiveness either. We find not only must we be forbearing one another, but we must be forgiving one another. By the way, here in the passage, the same one another, it's the same one another. It's one another, it's everybody. Forgiving. It means, uh, the, the very word, it has the root word that, that uh, is charis, it, it's grace. The idea is that it is a given as an act of grace, or here, uh, forgiveness is, or forgiving is, uh, an extension or an action of the attitude of grace. Now in this, whereas forbearing is the idea of not taking offense, forgiving is the idea of not keeping offense. It's one thing to be like a duck and let things roll off your back, but it's another thing to hold on to things and to keep account and going, well, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you, and now I'll ruin your life. I'll never talk to you again. I'll push you out the church. I'll push you out my life. That's the wrong attitude. That's not a Christian attitude. It's demonic in its nature. Forgiveness. Because we as Christians have been saved by the grace of God. We are sanctified by the grace of God. One day we'll be glorified by the grace of God because all of our life is by the grace of God. We had better be all the more prepared to extend the grace that is in Christ. The idea of not keeping offense. I wonder today, is there someone that you just have a hard time forbearing? I'm sure you do. I do. I'm sure I, some of y'all have a hard time forbearing me. Y'all are having a hard time forbearing this message for how long it's gone. Y'all forbear me every Sunday. But how about this one? You say, well, I can, I can, the little things, I can let those things go. I can forbear those. But you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know, you don't know what someone did to me, the hurt that I feel. You're right, I don't. Same way you don't know how people have wronged me and hurt me. I don't know your hurt. You don't know my hurt near as much as we'd like to think we do. And we're not experts in each other's hurts. We're not even experts in our own hurt. We just know that we hurt. Hurting people hurt other people. And what we see is this, that we are cold, told here in forgiveness, that real forgiveness is not keeping the offense. We are not to be grudging or unforgiving. We are not to become bitter Christians. We are to become better Christians by being more believing Christians and trusting the Lord. It is to freely and unconditionally extend kindness or removal of debts or the wrongs of an offender. Unless that is said about your situation, there is not real forgiveness. Now let me go ahead and tell you this and try to help you out as much as I know how. Just because you forgive does not mean that you have forgotten. It means that you have eliminated that charge upon their account. That's forgiveness. You say, well, when we look at God's forgiveness, it says that He remembers them no more as far as the east from the west. Let me ask you, can God learn? No, thank you. All right. 
Can God forget? Well, not in the human sense. The idea is that of God's forgetfulness into a sea of forgetfulness, if you will, where my sins are now. It is this idea that He no longer holds it to my account. It's as if it never happened. I wonder when you say, oh, I've forgiven them, but, well, that's still holding it to their account. You forgiving someone does not mean you won't hurt anymore either, by the way. You forgiving somebody does not mean you, that hurt still ain't going to be there. What forgiveness does is it sets you and them free to reconcile. And if they're in Christ, even if you don't reconcile now, you're going to reconcile one of these days, but you'd better go ahead and do it now. You'll be all the more better for it, and God will be all the more glorified in it. We see that this whole idea of forbearing and forgiving, this is this uh, d- development of this grateful heart. It is an attitude of forgiveness. Our attitude of forgiveness must not be based on feelings, but it is based upon the facts of the grace found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So because Jesus forbears and forgives, I ought to. Because if I am forgiven, or rather here for you, dear believer, because I am forgiven, I must forbear. I must forgive for Christ's sake, not even my own. Let the world say what they want. Let the hurts roll. Let the hurt remain. Let let the difficulties come. And let those oppose me. But I want to be right with God more than anything. Corey Ten Boom put it this way, forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Let me break it down a simple way in case you don't understand her words. Forgive even when you don't feel like it. Forgive even when you don't feel they deserve it. Why? Because I don't deserve my salvation. I didn't deserve forgiveness. That's grace. That's real forgiveness. I may not feel like it, But God expects it, and God empowers it. Do not think you can go forgiving someone that's wronged you in the flesh, because the flesh never forgives. No, you must go about by life of faith as you yield to the Spirit of God, as you surrender to your position and possessions in the Lord Jesus Christ, found here in Colossians chapter 1-4. through What you find then is the ability to do the impossible. To forgive those who have hurt you. Most of the time, you and I have to forgive those that hurt us and they don't even know they hurt us. But they still need forgiveness. We find this life of forgiveness and gratitude can only be attained by grace through faith. The same way that anything from salvation to the end of your life can ever be attained. All that is attained in your life and in mine is by grace through faith. That's it. Paul Chapel writes about this. As long as you live on earth, you won't see the end of injustices. Yet God desires for you to let go of injustices and hold on to His grace. Only He can give you the power to forgive those who have hurt you the deepest. Dear Christian, the deepest hurt that you've got, God has the deepest ocean of grace that is able to allow you and empower you to forgive those that have wronged you. And though you may still hurt and though you may not forget what has happened in the past, or even in the present, you may be set free and you may find real gratitude because Christ has set me free and forgiven me. I want to do likewise. Forgiveness is not free to give because it will cost you your pride. But oh, it's worthy. As a matter of fact, though it will cost you your pride to forgive those that have wronged you, you become richer for it. 
It's the only thing, it seems, that you can give and yet become richer in it. Now notice this, and we'll be done. The display of a grateful heart looks like this. The attitude of gratitude is displayed as we develop an attitude of forgiveness and humility here in verses 12 and 13. Whatever I display in my life is what I have allowed to be developed in my life. So right now, dear Christian, if there's unforgiveness and bitterness, if there's unthankfulness and no gratitude there, it is because that is what you've allowed to develop and to fester in your life. What you allow to develop in your heart is what is going to display with your hands, with your mouth, with your tongue, with your feet. Forgiveness is displayed through two things. One, our experience of forgiveness. Because I am forgiven, my life is changed and it is not my own. Someone who is forgiven by God, their life will not look like it used to look. It will not look like the world. It will be one of gratitude and humility and the strength to forgive. Because I have experienced forgiveness in Christ, I may now display it as I extend forgiveness as Christ did. That's what we're called to do. That's what it means to be a Christian. But then we find as well as forgiveness is displayed through our extending of forgiveness. One, we need the inward of experiencing it ourselves, and two, we need the outward of actually extending it to others. Forgiveness sets both parties free, by the way. It doesn't just set the one that wronged you free. It sets your heart free. We do our heart much more damage when we hold on to bitterness, and anger, and unforgiveness. We're hurting our spiritual walk. And we are not helping them. You and I today, if we're going to be truly grateful and thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ for all that He is and all that He has done for us, we must learn humility and we must learn to forbear and forgive. We must learn to be grateful to forgive. How could I not extend what I have experienced in Christ? If you and I have the expectation of evangelizing and telling others the Gospel, we have the same expectation then to forgive those that wrong us and hurt us because we are grateful that we have been forgiven for much more than they've ever done to us. The worst thing that has happened to you in your life, Jesus faced an infinite amount there on the cross. Jesus faced an infinite amount in His lifetime. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was stricken and smitten of God, uh, afflicted. Mankind hated Him. And yet... There on the cross, what does Jesus cry? One of His first cries on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's grace. That's forgiveness. That's gratitude. Moody put it this way. The voice of sin is loud, but the voice of forgiveness is louder. Whatever sin that has been committed in your life, either to you or by you, that needs forgiveness, though as loud as it is right now in your heart, there is something much louder. And it is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Christ forgave. I am forgiven. And now I can gratefully and freely forgive others. So as we bring this to a close, let me ask you first and foremost, do you have real genuine forgiveness before God.
Do you know today that your sins are forgiven? Not by any work that you've done because you can't do a work that would forgive your sins in the first place. But have you repented, turned from your sins, and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and His death, His burial, His resurrection for your sins? Do you have real forgiveness? Let me ask you this. Do you know that you are truly forgiven in Christ? How about this? This is for believers and non-believers alike, by the way, right here. Have I had an attitude of unforgiveness or ungratefulness? When we search our hearts even now. Because I have been truly forgiven by Christ, then why won't I truly forgive the one that wronged me? How about we need to ask ourselves this as well. Am I grateful for my forgiveness? Or have I forgotten all that I've been forgiven for? Though we don't need to sit and wallow in our past sins, we must never forget that Christ saved us from the miry clay. That He took someone that was dead and blind and full of hate and He gave life and sight and love. How about this though? And I believe, dear Christian, this one might be the kicker for each one of us today. Am I grateful to forgive another? Am I, for, am I grateful to forgive my brother or my sister who wronged me? Am I grateful to forgive those in my life? The amount of forgiveness in my heart is how much gratitude is in my heart. We all want to be grateful and thankful people today. But in order to get to that, we've got to be humble. We've got to be forgiving. Today, with that, this invitation is going to be given. If you have a need today, this altar is going to be open as this piano plays. Let's all stand this morning. Perhaps if you need forgiveness from the Lord, you need to repent and believe the Gospel. Come, let me take the Bible and show you Christ. You call out to Him. You can ask Him forgiveness. You don't ask me, you ask Him. And He is willing to forgive you. He is ready and desires to forgive you, dear lost soul. Would you come, put your trust in Christ alone? Today, dear believer, are you struggling with unforgiveness? Are you struggling with bitterness? Do you have someone in your life that you've got to forgive? Or perhaps you've got someone in your life that needs to forgive you and you need to ask forgiveness from them.